Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Oi, the boys on Footy Prime on occasion are known to use vulgarities and frankly appalling language. And sometimes tales are quite adult in nature. So keep the volume down if there are kiddies around. And thank you for listening. Oh, let's go! Booty, booty, it's time to get this party started. Booty, booty, it's time to get this party started. You know that we are the number one show. So grab your fucking bitch and now it's time to go. Cause it's the booty, booty, it's time to get this party started. It's the booty, booty, it's time to get this party started. With Danny, Jimmy, Gregor, Andy, Jimmy, JC. You're listening to Footy Prime News and Dubs, your one-stop destination for footy news and dubs. Yeah, that's Amy Walsh. Footy Prime, your almost daily footy fix. Hey, it's Dubs, it's News and Dubs. It's Footy Prime, it's Friday. Hello, everyone. How you doing, Amy? I'm good. How about you guys? Oh, we're swell. Wong is here and Craig's here and Jason's here and Jimmy's here. Oh, look at you. Oh, for God's sakes. Here we go. She's oh, wearing a t-shirt. What, what, what's this e- e- equality? What is this? Uh, is this new? Yeah, not Jesus so well Christ, Amy, you get the vote and now you want this. What the hell? Get the vote? Yeah, Where did you get that t-shirt? I'm making, I'm being extremely sexist. Talking about suffrage, really? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Super tremendous. <laughs> How you doing? How did you enjoy yesterday, the uh, the hearings? Was it Was it like popcorn eating... Oh yeah, delightful. Yeah, loved it. No, yeah, it I mean, something. I, I no, I think, I think I left feeling, feeling a bit hopeful. I think I was really proud of of the women, or proud of the players, I should say. Um, gave really good account of themselves. Um, they were composed. Uh, they were really well prepared. And I think seeing some of the comments, people were critical of the politicians saying that they were guilty of some grandstanding and but I think it's important to get those questions that seem a little bit ridiculous like they're maybe not so well informed to get that on the record so that when Nick Bontis and Earl Cochran come back on March 20th then they can really go after them I've noticed on this podcast it's really important to be uninformed when you're asking questions you know just for the proletariat out there so they can actually uh you know, we're talking to the people and we're, there's no one more uninformed than Footy Prime. <laughs> Is that the <laughs> yeah, it should be. Hey, Wonga, can we weather into one of our uh, promos? The most, the most uninformed. uninformed. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? It's already done. 
<laughs> That's a win. Hey, Craig, though, I tell you, though, I mean, politicians, I mean, some of those questions were cringeworthy, though, weren't they? I mean, they did not have a clue. Did they do any kind of research? No. No, <laughs> they didn't. I think the first thing they said was they introduced uh, Janine Beckham. Beckel. Beckel. Yeah. Beckel. Yeah. Beckel, was it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know it's, it's going to be positive when they do that right off the gates. And I know how it is, like, when you get someone introduced, you get with the wrong name. You, you do sink. It's like, oh, for fuck's sakes, really? I can imagine how she felt at that time. Like, oh, really? Really? Off, yeah. off to it, a cracker. It was, the same, it was the same look that she gave Duffy during the Men's World Cup when he talked about um, Alfonso's goal being the most important moment in, <laughs> in Canadian soccer history. And Janine just gave one of these. She was like... Yeah, as we all know, it, it was Richard Hastings' goal in the Gold Cup. Right, Craig? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Who, by the way, got into the Hall of Fame this week? Along with, the, with, along with Carmelina Moscato. Yeah, exactly. Congratulations <laughs> to both of them. That's fantastic. Um, okay, so let's let's backtrack a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Um, yesterday morning, having waited for months for something tangible, at least from from Canada Soccer, just just put it out there. Where do you stand? And they put out a release, a statement outlining what their reaction, what well, reaction, what their how they reacted to the demands of the players. Um, it wasn't so much though, Amy. What was on that? It was the timing. I think that that really rubbed <laughs> the players the wrong way. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I had a, I was driving at the time, and I had a gigantic fuck off for Canada soccer because just su- it's such a clear lack of respect and and a clear tactic to to undermine and to and to rattle them. And everybody's like, "Well, here, well, everybody, some people, this is the transparency you've been looking for." It wasn't transparency; it was exposing parts of the deal that were meant to be private to stay at the bargaining table under the guise of transparency, but it was a PR stunt. And what did it glean them or what, it, what was their, their end game there to maybe win back a few supporters for a few hours before the players eviscerated them publicly. Uh, to me, it was just like they said, we, we're not really sure what to do here. It's be, it harkens back to the, to the incompetence, incompetency we've seen in, in the governance and in leadership we're just going to throw a, he- a Molotov cocktail on the whole thing. Just blow it up. Because once everybody's sorted through, or I should, I, again, I keep saying everybody, I shouldn't. Once you sort through what it actually was, it, it wasn't transparency at all. It was exposing the deal that was meant to be made or kept private. And even Sinky said in the hearings, there were aspects of what was made public by Canada soccer that she had never seen before. That, and it's, yeah. and it's trumpeted out. It's paraded out as here's the transparency here it is. And it's not that at all. It was a, a badly executed PR stunt. Yeah. I mean, listen, if there was, if there was parts of that release that the players were unaware of, that is an issue. Absolutely. But the players have gone through the media. Have they not from, from day one, they, they fought their battle on the public sphere. Why, why can't Canada soccer? Well, Janine was asked about that. And she said, when we mention something publicly, then Canada soccer reacts. Mm-hmm. The, ball, the ball is rolling that way or the, the conversation keeps going. So, I mean, what, what, whether I don't know if you can justify a national sports organization's decisions by saying, well, 
the, the players have done it, so it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, what? Okay, so the PR stunt aside and the timing, and yeah, it's certainly questionable. Within that statement, though, was there is there hope? Do you think? Do you, do you, do you like parts of what they they said? Is there a deal to be made there? Do you think? Well, I think you know the players again said that it's about larger issues, right? So the deal looks attractive from the outset, but I, I think there's two things. If if Canada Soccer is indeed committed to paying, um, you know what's put out there, you know, uh, $3,500, no, yeah, $3,500 per match, up to $5,500 per match, depending on the ranking of the opponent um, and and all the prize money and everything that was detailed there, which would make, and again, that was the headline, make the women the second highest paid team in the world. So again, you know, from, from the outside looking in, before you dig into these details, you think, okay, well, that's a great deal. Why wouldn't they take it? Because it, you, you start to hollow out what is already, um, you know, thin youth programming. Yeah, the, the other teams, right? It's, it's at, the, um, at the expense of all of these teams, and the, and the players don't necessarily want that. But the, the bigger question to me is, could they actually afford that? They, they've, they've taken the money away, removed the funding from this team four months before the World Cup. If the players actually said yes, could Canada Soccer afford to – to pay them that mo- that money, I-, I don't think so. But to me, it's the the deal. It seems like a fair and a good one, but they've made it clear that it's much more than about the pay equity. And they mentioned that yesterday. That's a small piece of the puzzle. It's about it's the larger choice. issues of leadership, governance, and then if you're really going to be transparent, let's see your books. Don't cherry pick data from 2012 to 2019, and let's see the CSV deal. Let's see the nature of it before, you know, you put a positive thing in there about the deal being reworked. Let's mm-hmm. see the deal. Mm-hmm. Do you think the, uh, the next hearings with Canada Soccer will be far more scathing? Will it be more of a, um, a researched and a targeted approach by the, the government as opposed to, quite frankly, it seemed pretty softball for the players. I think the government should have asked some tough questions and they didn't. Like what? Well, just, I mean, listen, it's all very well that they're using the public sphere, and that's great, good for them. It's worked very, very well. These allegations of um, no equity, the the budget issues, how we've been disrespected, like, go for them. Say, well, yes, but according to this statement here, they're saying the budgets were very similar up until 2019. You know, explain yourself. That that wasn't really presented. No, but Quinn does talk about own the podium money. So uh, they also conveniently, Canada Soccer, I wrote it down here, um, the women's national team earned almost $2 million U.S. over that time period in World Cup participation and prize money that was paid to Canada Soccer. So it would have covered almost all the prize money that was paid out during the period cited. All of the money that we've talked about here on the show about on the podium, so the Tokyo Quadrennial, $12.7 million in that cycle. So uh, 2016 to 2020, and then uh, prior to Rio, and then even Beijing, or sorry, London, and then Beijing. Wow, I'm four cycles ago. It's a lot. <laughs> but that's a lot of money over the course of that period, right? And then mm-hmm. Quinn also talks about the fact that they've been told as players 
that it's essential that they achieve a top three finish in the Olympic Games in order to keep enough funding to run a program. Can, like, can you imagine feeling that? Mm-hmm. That you must win a medal in order to keep your program viable. Yeah. It's, yeah, no, it, it, was, it was interesting. It was. I just hope that the questions are, are more targeted for the actual association because let's be honest, they got more questions to answer, right? Mm-hmm. Defend yourself, back yourself up. I mean, it's all very well saying, yeah, we're, we're going to open, reopen the negotiations with, with uh, Canada soccer business. Great. But what's going to be the hard result of that? Will there be a, a, a restructuring of it? Is it even possible? You know, CSB continue to be very, very quiet and we're quiet. I mean, crickets regarding the whole thing. Well, Scott Mitchell put out a statement. Did he not? talking about and I I thought his opening I can't remember what it was exactly but I thought he was going to talk about the players who were testifying but he was talking about over a hundred million dollars that that they've injected into into soccer in Canada and they should be applauded for it's valid right yeah CPL yep absolutely Um, but he says they haven't taken a red cent I doubt that highly and they also haven't done anything to develop the women's game in Canada zero nothing Mm -hmm. so we're talking about the greater issue of equity, what have you done to contribute to that? Women's game for sure, yeah. I mean, they haven't contributed to that. Um, I, I'm not sure if they've made money, though, to be honest with you. I mean, the CPL is bleeding. It has to be. You see the CPL crowds. is bleeding money by about 120 oh, by yeah. grand a team, team is that what it is? a month. 100%. Yeah. And if you're losing money, it's hard to invest in another program as well. But th- they're not making more in sponsorship and broadcast and no. Then the three Broadca- million dollars they're paying Canada soccer. Broadcasting. <laughs> they're no, losing sponsorship money. marketing for sure. The league that's what fine, Jimmy. I I I, do, I agree with you there. Anybody that's trying to go out and get sponsorship right now is struggling. You might. You, if you think you're getting million, multi million, the local teams try to get a sandwich now. shop from the local owner. Yeah. You're trying to go to local businesses, trying to get a few bucks here and there in your sponsorship. You are not getting millions and millions of dollars from sponsorships. For these so, let, so let's see the numbers. Why, why are yeah. they so reluctant to show us the numbers then? I agree with that 100%. Get what, out. C- CSB in general, I think. Yeah. CSB, C- CSA. I mean, I, I think that would, if, if that would solve a lot of consternation. Yeah, and, and it, anger, does, it doesn't have to be one camp or the other. You, you mm-hmm. don't have to be a CPL fan and, and turn a blind eye to what the CSB deal is and how it's hamstringing Canada soccer and these national team programs from capitalizing on their success. You can support both. It doesn't have to be one or the other. Mm-hmm. Hey, Amy, do you yeah, remember One thing you- about Canada soccer business, if we compare it to the U.S. Um, and some, Soccer mm-hmm. United Marketing, which was they're basically doing the same thing as Canada soccer business, built a, a structure around that, made U.S. soccer a lot of money. And then U.S. soccer said, oh, we can do this. I think we can do this on our own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're going to probably post a $40 million loss this year. So mm-hmm. they haven't been able to get close to what some has done for them. 
and they're bleeding money themselves. And they got tens of millions. They got the largest Nike contract in history. We don't even get money from Nike. And TSN and all these broadcasters in Canada have cost up to $500,000 a year for the CSA to spend money to get the games on TV. There's no money. And they go to TSN, they go to Rick Westhead, who's got all this to say, and they leak all this information to a broadcaster who's got more interest in sinking the sport than they do actually doing well. And the bottom line is, too, with the population and the general public out there, they're sick of this shit. I don't care whether they're, they're right or wrong, the women. Whether athletes get involved in money disputes is not good. People are tired of it. Like, it's, it's just no, awful. But wait, wait, wait. You don't care if the women are right or wrong? No, but no, I do. But just the general public, it's just more uh, arguments about, you know, money. And they just see this as, you know... Rich athletes, which they're not. But. Are they, yeah, well, no, I think a lot of people do. Are they engaged yeah. in the actual, I mean, listen, the hardcore football no. fans are, right? The hard, but yeah, the, exactly. the average sports fan, like, oh, Christ, another labor dispute. Boring. No. Right? They don't understand the, 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 I think that's why the women have gone public though as well though, right? Through the media. Well, the thing is to really, the truth. we, we, we got to remember as well, we, we've been fighting to grow this game in this country and there's a lot of haters. And it's still a huge black eye for our game. And the people that are watching this on the outside right now that don't support our game are loving it because they're going here, push push soccer back another few years. Yeah. Well, the haters are enjoying this. Oh, of course they are. There's no doubt about it. But, I mean, we, we've been yeah. through it before, Amy. You know, and I, I agree with you 100%. It's so simple, really. Um, there's, no, there's no point picking sides. We know the game is in trouble in this country. We know gender equity is it has to has to be here, and and I think that's not even being debated now, right? Even Canada Soccer say, yeah, we we agree, well, but now but now they're saying, but we have no money, so sorry. Yeah, so that's the larger issue that I was yeah. talking about before, right? Could they even pay what they're offering? Yeah, exactly. But then when you when you dive into the details of this, so they're talking about equity, Canada Soccer is, and equal pay, but then they drop this bomb in the statement. This does not mean equal dollars simply because the cost of doing very different things may require different total budgets. Mm -hmm. They're contradicting themselves. But isn't that relevant though? I mean, if, if whatever side it is, in this case, the men's, they say that the men's uh, qualification, for example, um, they're, they're traveling a lot more than the women are, who she believes club, they're playing three games in you know a small geographical area. Mm -hmm. It is going to cost more to run the men's program in that regard. Doesn't that make sense? It does make sense, but it's not as simple as, as apples and oranges. The women don't play. You're talking about the W, like the CONCACAF competition. The, yeah, the, women's, League, yeah. the women's is abbreviated, not the, not the Nations League. The, the CONCACAF qualifying is abbreviated because the women are ranked sixth in the world. They bypass those preliminary games that right. our men they, have to participate that, in. Is what you're saying. Right? Mm -hmm. Pardon? Mm -hmm. They've earned that, is what you're saying, because they're a good team and they're. Yeah. They're so why, sh why should that count against them? In, in all of this, I, I understand your, your, your point is heard about, um, or your point is made rather about, about the, the inherent differences in, in the qualification process. But the, the way that that's put, it means uh, to me what I hear, and, and maybe because this is my own experience with, with Canada soccer, is that we don't value you or your games as much as we value the men's games. The way that they, it was phrased that these Nations League games, we can't. Um, ignore these or not um, participate in them. Whereas you, you, for you guys, it's just friendlies. It's not as important. And that is, again, speaking to these larger issues, 
that that these women don't have the luxury of just worrying about results. But is that you're always being case... undermined and treated as an afterthought and as second class citizens? Is then that not a case to take up with Concacaf and with FIFA? Why are men getting more relevant games than women? Right, Canada soccer. Look at the calendar. These are your games. These are what are important. What's not important? You know, Nations League games are more important than friendlies, right? Mm-hmm. One way or the other, they are. You know, the, what they what they mean, especially now with Copa America, you know, factoring mm-hmm. in there. Um, is it a question of okay? There's there's the the gender equity we've got to talk about now. Is why are there more relevant games for men than women? As opposed to here's your calendar, here's the money. What's going to cost more and what's going to cost less? Yeah, I, I right. don't know. If, so, yeah. Amy, just to get an understanding there, I mean, going back to what you're saying, because, the, you know, where you're saying the women only played that many games and the men played this and the budget should be equal. So if each game costs 100 grand, hypothetically, for one men's game and one women's game, the men have 10 games. So there's a million dollar budget that has got to be accounted for, for the men to play their games. And then the women say they had five games. So there's half a million. So you're saying because the men have got a million dollars in their budget for those 10 games, then the women should have a million dollars for their five games. Is that what we're saying? Because obviously they're, they're playing more games. It's going to cost more money. So you're saying that money then should equal the women's regardless of the many, as many games as they're going to play. No, no, I don't think we, we should get stuck on that because I think it's two, it's two different realities navigating the women's game versus the men's game and the qualification process and nation's league versus non-nation's league and, and all that sort of stuff. But it, it's diving down into the greater issue of, of gender equity and what the federation uh, and how they frame these things and how they treat this team on a regular basis in terms of the resources that are allocated to them, the support, the staff, the travel, everything that's involved in your day-to-day. That's what I'm talking about. And so for me, the, the inherent differences in the way that the games work, the women's game versus the men's game, to me, the Federation is, is using that as an out to not treat these women fairly and equitably. So, so if, 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 the women have a, if the women have a match and the men have a match, is the budgets not the same for those same games? Or is it different? I don't know. I think it depends on, on the context of, of the games. Where are the games taking place? Who, who remember, are the do, opponents? Are we paying for the opponents to come in? Usually, yes. Do you? I'm um, sorry, you, you know, you don't need to answer this, any of you. But do you remember what you were paid for for a match fee when you, when you were playing for Canada? I know it's years ago now, but uh, yeah, you, a couple of grand a game or couple, something. A couple of grand. I don't think never, we got anything. I think we got compensation for tournaments and advancing. Oh, really? So it wasn't the match fee per game like that's been, you know, obviously in this new new deal. Or it was with, within a tournament structure, like a major tournament structure, like a World Cup qualifying or a World Cup or Olympics. Right. But not not for friendlies. If I'm not and the, you guys, the men were paid for friendlies, match fees, or was it just competitive mm-hmm. games? Yeah. You yeah. were paid for friendlies. Yeah, really? Yeah. yeah, listen, you're not getting rich off it. You're getting a- No, no. But I mean, I would be, I mean, if... And I if think the, we only if, played a few home games too, Forrest, didn't we? I don't think we had. Did we have oh, any we friendlies play, at home? Not many. Barely ever played at home. Yeah, right. We created, created little uh, small three-nation tournaments to try to create an event to make some money for the CSA. Mm-hmm. So you had one with Northern Ireland and Iran, I think. Iran, One yeah, with Chile, one with Greece. 
uh, well, I'm just, Tobago, I'm, I'm just saying that if if in years past and moving and it's all about moving forward now, right? That's great. But if that was a case that in years past the men were paid for playing for Canada and the women weren't, I would be all over that if I was the women's to get some more public sentiment because that is crap. Let's let's be honest no. here. Listen, I, I think it's really important that we look at we we try and be balanced in this show, right? Look at both angles, both sides. I think we know. Um, we want a good deal for the players. You know, we're going to be player friendly for sure. Deep down, we've got players in this podcast, obviously. Um, but you got to present both sides at the same time. You're seeing even now on this show, the last 20 minutes, this friction and the whole game in this country is fucking on this brick in this edge yeah. of such volatility. It doesn't need to be just, yeah. just honesty and, and transparency would change everything. You know, my, you can, my, my big issue right now is okay. It's great that the men and women are, are trying to figure that out. But for me, I hope to God we don't take away money from the youth and the funding for the youth development for the younger age groups, because it's well, so it important that we invest money into those next generation of boys and girls who are going to represent this country. And we've got to make sure that we provide that path. We give them resources so that our national team program is successful over the next number of years. And we're developing players. We've right. never done it properly, Jimmy. No, we haven't. And if we take all that money and we put it to the men's and women's first teams, I hope to God we don't lose that next generation and underfund them. But that, that goes back to Canada soccer and the governance and the leadership. Mm-hmm. There's never been a strategic plan in place for development. The, the, the players yesterday mentioned the England women winning the Euros. And the next day they had a signed letter to the government about instituting massive change in schools in England about making soccer more accessible to young girls. And, and how that will feed that pathway, getting more people exposed, playing more young girls playing in the sport. And here there's just been a blatant disregard for, for the grassroots. But what I find really vexing, irritating, um, is shameful that these women now are, are being criticized now for, for stealing away, for hollowing away those programs. Their ask for equity has nothing to do with what's going on with those youth programs. And they were championing and talking about the importance to, to make sure that getting a young girl on the team to, to displace the, the Desi Scotts and the Sophie Schmitz and the Christine Sinclairs should be part of the natural development path. They agree that that should be in place, but it's been a failure and a consistent systemic failure by Canada soccer to create something in this country. That, but agree, that, uh, that's also from the players as well. And the players have got to make note of that and talk about the, that next generation and the youth. Not well, so the has has the men's team. program or the men's team talking about it as well? I'm, I'm, I'm not, not saying I'm not, hey, not saying listen, I'm not talking about men, men and, and women and trying to create the same. It should it. be it should be everybody. And I'm not said that it should be the women. It's collectively the men and the women that are at the table right now that are putting these agreements together have got to think about the next generation as well. Regardless if you're a female or male, whatever whatever you are, I don't care. You've got to also remember we have another generation of kids that are coming through this system. And you can't take all the money from the pot. You've got to make sure that they're looked after as well. Well, that'll be our next um, you know, heated debate, you know, in years to come. Wow, you know, they get forty percent each, you know. Too much. Right. That's the argument. Gender equity, done. Let's check that off, right? Moving forward at some point. 
but it's like, okay, what is a fair percentage? What can a soccer actually afford? And we won't know that until we get damn books and the numbers, right? Simple as that. Remember when we used to talk about, you know, mascots and which one you'd, you'd have sex with on this podcast? <laughs> it's still the Philly Fanatic and Yuppie. Those are my two go-tos. Oh, no, it has to be gritty, right? If yeah, 100%. You, you got to get down and yeah, <laughs> I just wanted to, Sharms, I know we want to finish this up, but I want to just bring up one of the conversations we were having before the pod started. And Amy wasn't here. And it was about uh, Christine Sinclair saying on a personal note, I've never been more insulted than I was by Canada's soccer own soccer's own president Nick Bontis last year, as we met him to discuss our concerns when he said, Oh, what was Christine bitching about? I wonder how important that he stepping down will add to at least some level of trust or perhaps a playing field that's, if we're going to negotiate, it's from good faith or does Canadian soccer never learn as specifically sending out that, you know, they, they were sending out that thing tomorrow. And I want to give you last, you said you were hopeful after yesterday. Now we've made you fraught and giving you despair <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Fingers <laughs> flying, middle fingers <laughs> flying. <laughs> but I, I want to give you last words on this and then we'll move on to our next, uh, our next conversation. No, I, I think hopeful because of the leadership shown by the players, not by the organization. And Charmaine Crooks, everybody was saying, give her a chance. Let, let's see what she can do. Um, even though, in my opinion, part of the old guard was complicit in all these decisions. But the first decision, the first public act on her watch was to release that statement hours before the players are going to testify. So to me, that spoke volumes. And this, this current state of, of mistrust and distrust will continue um, to be sort of that, that undercurrent um, that, that, is, that is beneath anything that appears to be in good faith. See, well, usually uh, when it's time for Canada soccer elections, it's really boring. Right? God, who cares, really? I can't wait until May. It's going to be really interesting and potentially transformative as well. If, if people throw their hats in the ring and if they're allowed to throw their hats in the ring. Yeah. All right, we've got to move on. We've got to move on here. Now, now, if you listened to the last podcast, which I'm sure you all did, um, I, I referenced um, a piece written by uh, our good friend, Armin Badakian of One Soccer. And it compared MLS and CPL, the talent levels. And Jimmy, you know, just jumped all over poor Armin. Like, Straight I, I in. Like, like if, you think Christine and, and, and Quinn were, were tough yesterday? Like he eviscerated him. So, so Armin's, he's, he's nailed. <laughs> I like Armin. <laughs> he's, Armin's nailed. He goes, you know what? I need to come on that damn show and defend myself and my point of view. And good luck, Armin. Always, our doors are always open. Armin, welcome to Footy Prime, mate, for the first time. You are always welcome. Please take on Jimmy here. Oh, you're muted. No, oh, it's a poor start. Oh, oh, he's nervous. He's nervous. Oh. <laughs> he just shanked one from five yards out. Wonger hasn't muted, maybe. Maybe yeah, it's probably Wonger. Wonger, do you have Armin muted? He's looking. I don't. It's it's when people join the stream yard. That's our uh, recording platform. Oh, no, there we no, go. You're we're good. Good. We got you. It, it was. It was Wonger. Okay. We'll blame Wonger, Armin. Sorry. We'll Always. blame him. Yeah, okay. Right, pal, it, was take a it was a tactic by Jimmy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, no kidding. No, it's going to take more than that to shake me. 
Uh, first of all, just want to say thank you for having me on the show. I'm a longtime listener, a big fan. So this is a very cool moment. Um, and as for the word eviscerated, I think that was maybe a little extreme. It was. Uh, don't, don't listen to him, Armin. Yeah. That's what I he mean, does. He tries to stir the pot. <laughs> I just like using long words that I can pronounce. There aren't many Absolutely. of them. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think the, the actual words were that it was a monster jump from CPL to Major League Soccer. And uh, my, my position on this is that I actually agree with Jimmy. I think it is a big, big jump. And I also think that the factors that go into making that decision are much more complex than just quality alone. But the only thing that I will say is, and for your listeners who haven't seen the graphic, it was basically just a simple graphic that uh, had a perception and a reality uh, on the top and the bottom. The perception would be that MLS sits as a block on top of CPL and CPL sits at the bottom and that there's a very visible gap in between. My point and the, the, I guess the crux of my argument is that there is a sliver of overlap between the two leagues, whereby the bottom talent, the bottom level of talent in MLS is equivalent to or worse than the very top level of talent in the CPL. Now, what that means in terms of percentage of players or actually just the, the actual number of players that do overlap in that, that's totally up for debate. I, I, I'm not making a claim towards X percentage of players are, are better or whatever. Uh, my only argument is that it's not zero. I don't fundamentally believe that 0% of CPL players are capable of playing in MLS. And I think we've already seen that with you know some of the players that have moved on to, uh, to MLS teams like Joel Waterman, Mo Farsi. So that was the main crux of my argument. Uh, and what that actual number is, I guess, is where the debate comes in. And, and maybe the graphic implied that 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 overlap was maybe more than than i think it's somewhere in that 50 to 30 percent range in the graphic but it doesn't actually make a claim towards any sort of number so that's the main point that i wanted to come out and defend is i think that there are if i had to guess maybe 15 to 20 cpl players today who could displace the worst international players on each let's say mls roster maybe one guy on each mls roster that are at least equivalent if not better and that would be the, the main would argument. You be, would you be saying that, for instance, if it's a 23-man roster, mm -hmm. in MLS, between 18 and 23, those players there would be comparable to the best players in the CPL? I, would, uh, well, I wouldn't even go so far as to say 18 to 23 at this time. I would say that there's at least one or two players on an MLS roster that you could find an adequate replacement for in the very top of CPL today. And what I would say is that that becomes a risk reward determinant. So the, obviously like the risk for an MLS team that's not in Canada is that you're using an international roster spot on these players. Those are very limited. And because Canadians don't count as domestics, that makes the investment into the Canadian Premier League a risky one for these MLS sides. If you're a Canadian team, that, that works a little different, which is why I think teams like Toronto FC take a risk on a guy like Caden Chung, um, because it, it, there's, there isn't that level of, or that same level of risk. At that point, it's just a, a kind of like an investment in a player. But uh, what, but if what, you're a, what would the risk be? Well, the risk is just using an international roster spot on a player that's Canadian that would be like your 23rd or 22nd guy on your roster. Whereas if you're building a roster, generally speaking, you don't have a tremendous amount of those international roster spots. And right. so you try to use them in a way that's, I, I would so say, here, here's more impactful. Because, because you said that the lower worst international player on their team, the Canadian, yeah. can probably do better. Okay. So 
for me now, then if you're going to say that there's no risk because well, I'm going to get, I'm going to get a CPL player for the fraction of a cost than what I would get a Colombian, Argentinian, a European player for into major league soccer. So absolutely. why wouldn't I, why wouldn't I do that then? Well, I think that there's, I guess it's a, it's a perception thing here too, is there's a number of players who are signed to MLS contracts who are waived at the end of the year. And they're sort of just like given tryouts in, in a sense, like, I think those players generally see that level of turnover. So it's not that every player who signs an MLS contract is therefore MLS level. That 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 is another perception that I need to, I guess, maybe address. But if you're looking at the risk portion, then the international roster spot is, I guess, the only thing that precludes you from it. And my reward part of this is the fact that you have players at the very top of CPL who are a extremely cheap because. I mean, that's the reality of, of yeah. their current contracts. So there is that factor to consider. And then on top of that, there are, these are guys who are putting in 20, 30 game seasons and producing, whereas your lower rent and MLS guys are maybe just filling out training rosters. So if you're looking at it from that perspective, there is definitely an upside to bringing on these CPL players as well. Point well made. Yeah. 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 Point well made. And, and don't, don't get me wrong, Armin, like, when, when we talked about this the other day, listen, we're, we're fans of the CPL. Obviously, you know, teams are in preseason right now. And as it gets going, then, yes, we, we're going to start talking about it. We're talking about Major League Soccer now because it's up and running. Um, and then before that, obviously, the Premier League because the Premier League's on. Mm-hmm. But we do support this league. We do support domestic football. We want to see Canadian players playing at the highest level because it's going to continue to grow our game. Yeah. But for me, it's still going to be a number of years before – we start to really see this league produce players. And those players that are going to get produced are these young ones that are going to be coming through. You mentioned Max Ferrar. Yeah, okay. He's, he's still got a ways to go. Um, you know, Passius, Rosario, this next generation of young strikers that are going to be coming through the system. They've got an opportunity. They'll have a chance because they're a good age. And the more games that they do play, the more experience they're going to get. And then that's when other leagues will start looking at them. And when you have a league that's so young, one, two, three years old, I mean, we, we all thought Borges was going to go away and do well. But the reality is he wasn't ready. And that's why he ended up coming back. For and it's sure. Peyton Chung jumped up to MLS and he ended up going back now. So these players are going, but they're going too early. They're not ready to go yet. And it's going For to be sure. that young crop of players right now that are in the league between 17 and 21. And the next four years, those are the ones that now you're going to start seeing them make that jump into Major League <clears throat> Soccer, and maybe over into Europe. Absolutely. I think the, the main point that I was trying to make is that, well, first of all, obviously, the, every individual player has their own journey and their own path. And some players develop significantly quicker than others. Some players need more time. And circumstance plays a big role. I mean, you could look at a guy like even Richie Larea, who you could have said after his stint in Orlando, this guy just doesn't have it, you know. But then he comes to Toronto and it's clear that not only does he have it, but he's got it in spades. So every situation is unique in that sense. And you're absolutely right, Jimmy, about the younger core are, are going to really be leading the way in terms of CPL to MLS moves. And where MLS Next Pro, for example, sits in that is another factor to consider. Uh, so all of those things are, I think, leading to ultimately what my argument was, which was that there is an effective group of overlap and that you know, MLS teams can be, I think, a little bit more aggressive in how they scout the CPL, in my personal opinion. Like, there is no substitute for experience. And when you've got guys who are 21 years old, who are putting up 10 goals a season, who are getting 30 games, and and if you're, like, playing, like, Forge FC, for example, those games include Champions League experience, like, CONCACAF experience. Um, so it's, 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 it's very valuable. 
And I think that like the like MLS teams haven't really embraced how valuable that is. Like if I'm head coach or manager or te- technical director at these Canadian MLS clubs, I'm signing the three best CPL players every year because my risk is so low. These are very low, like like low paid mm. players relative yeah. to the rest of your mm-hmm. roster. Um, yeah, but like we we gotta you gotta keep in mind too that you know with with Major League Soccer they do have very good scouting programs for sure, very very good, right? And they will be watching this league and they'll be looking for the next play. Lowell Wright ended up going to Vancouver mm-hmm. because they thought here's a young kid that's got some talent. Let's try to get him early and we'll try to develop him, see if we can push him on to the next level and get into Major League Soccer. But what a lot of people don't understand is that you know, I mean, you and I could be. I could be playing, say, uh, maybe championship football. You could be playing CPL. You and I have both got the same same pace. We're both exactly the same when it comes to to, to sprinting. I, mean, I doubt we that. Both, but... No, but listen, we we can both we can both spray a ball forty yards, not a problem. We can both head a ball, but the difference is at every single level. And people don't understand this. It's the thought process, mm-hmm. how fast they think and how fast they see the game. It's not always about the technique. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is the perception versus reality thing that just in your example, you're in a championship and Armin's in the CPLs. Yeah, plus you're talking about pace. There's no way I can keep up. What I'm saying is we 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 could both be exactly the same pace. We could both be able to ping a ball where I'm going with. There's a lot of similarities, but the thought process is quicker and it's how fast you see and read the game. And that's why at every single level, it changes. And that's why Champions League football players are different from a lot of the Premier League football players in in certain parts of it. Championship players, different. Major League Soccer. So everybody's going to get to a certain period, and then that's where it ends. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, That's that's kind of this interesting phenomenon that also occurs throughout world football, where people think that your passport somehow is a determinant factor on how good you are as a footballer. Like, there's this perception that if you're English or Brazilian or Spanish or German, you're just naturally a better footballer. But no. that's not the case. I mean, a pro soccer player is an athlete. Like, there's a certain level of athletic, uh, like, standard you need to reach in order to get there. And you're absolutely right. The difference in this circumstance is the standard of play and your ability to mentally grasp the game and handle those, the pace, the the flow, the, the decision-making. And, and consistency. And consistency. That is, that's the big one. It's who's, who can do it week in and week out. Absolutely. So I think that's really what we're looking at in terms of this effective overlap between CPL and MLS is the fact that these players are so young, the fact that they're getting a lot of game time, and the fact that they can still learn and these like like step, make that step up and take that standard to another level. I think yeah. that's where there's a level of promise. Uh, and I'm not going to hit you with my hottest hot take here, which is that Soccer players are content creators, and that, that's why we love them. I mean, that, that's a whole discussion for another day. But I think that when you look at a guy like, for example, Sean Rea, <laughs> like Sean Rea yeah. scores a phenomenal goal in what is otherwise a regular season game of very little meaning. And that goal, if it was replicated in its exact physical form for, let's say, CF Montreal against another MLS team in a regular season game, that goal in isolation lives based on its merit on the physicality of it but then when you add that layer of significance to each moment like for example it's a goal it's an ugly goal but it wins you the premier league versus it's a beautiful goal and it wins you a a, let's say a division four match like that level of significance completely changes how we view and, and perceive players as well so 
when you add that layer of complexity mm -hmm. to all of this, it's like, it's not just you performing, it's you performing at these incredibly high levels with, with all the pressure that comes with it. That's where we see the difference in perception of player quality. But I think it's, that goal can exist in isolation in MLS because the level is significantly higher. Things are moving sure. a lot quicker. Guys have a lot more quality and skill. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think the, the issue that I maybe had with, with, with your superb graphics was that there was a, a pretty significant overlap. I think yeah. that you mentioned Sean Rea. We're seeing what he's doing this year with CF Montreal. I see him on a regular basis. He's a very impressive player. Jonathan Sirwa coming in and Pantamis goes down. He's the number one goalkeeper right now for CF Montreal. I think to me, it's more like tendrils coming up from the CPL and you have those outliers who will always be able to compete in MLS. And it's less of an overarching um, overlap where right. you're, you're not the top tier guys across the board are not going to be able to compete in MLS. I totally understand. That. I think that was where the biggest, I guess, confusion came from was that bar of overlap seems to indicate a significantly higher percentage, or actually it implies a percentage at, in general, which I never actually offered. I, uh, like that was where there was some misconception, but you're right. I think Amy, at, at, at its core, these are players who have to reach a certain potential threshold in order to really make it. This is not a player who, let's say necessarily can step into an MLS team right away and immediately start to perform. And there is still that room to grow. Uh, but I will always advocate for the fact that I think the difference between a young Canadian player and a young American player often comes down to the perception that exists around yeah. them. I think MLSsoccer.com does a great job of hyping up their young Americans. And we have to do the same with our Canadians, because ultimately, I think Canadian footballers, as we've seen on the men's and women's national team side, can compete in this region, can produce quality and can move on and, and do great things around the world. The fact that we're having this conversation, I think, is is should be exciting for football fans in this country. Um, you know, we were crying mm -hmm. out for these kind of conversations six, seven years ago. Here we are now. So, uh, Armin, great job, mate. Always enjoy your stuff. Also, yeah, Armin, you Armin, um, I just want to say you eviscerated Jimmy this time. No, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy was the first the first footballer I ever like. He's my first captain. I, I oh got into this sport off of TFC, off of Jimmy's TFC. So, Armin, you were doing you were doing so well. You were yeah. doing he's so a great well. guy. Before <laughs> you mentioned that, we all we all love Armin. Keep doing what you're doing. It's a, it's amazing. Just go on the, uh, the Canada Soccer Hall of Fame website and look at his picture and you see Jimmy in his, in his prime. What a <laughs> fucking punk. Thanks, Armin. It was an early morning. <laughs> Armin, thanks, mate. Really enjoyed this. As Armin Batakin of One Soccer. All right. Um, I had a really good point to make there, but my destroyed hung of a brain is just not really functioning <laughs> properly right now um, how was the news was it good you guys oh, want to talk about that dubs it was as, as good a concert as i've seen they were just incredible and we had floors like general admission so that's the only way to watch concert nice. right and uh yeah it was amazing surrounded by footy fans too yep so Love that was it. uh in, in amongst uh good people yeah, they were they were absolutely brilliant. All right, um, very quickly, um, Nostar Bets have your cover for all things soccer, as does Fubo TV. Now, watch the games in Fubo. Lay your bets in Nostar Bets. Uh, this weekend, we have games. Bournemouth-Liverpool, that's the early one on Saturday. Everton-Brentford. Leeds-Brighton. Leicester-Chelsea. Spurs-Forest. Palace-Man City. Then Sunday sees Fulham-Arsenal. United-Southampton-West Ham. 
Aston Villa and Newcastle Wolves is the late one. Um, very quickly, it's footy picks time. DJ Mellow D. It's footy picks. It's footy picks. It's footy picks. On footy prime. Any of those jump out to you, Craig? Um, one kind of off the wall, I would say... Um, I would say Brighton's uh, good for a result at Leeds, although Leeds got to win their home games. I still think Brighton are just an excellent football team. They don't get phased by anybody, and they've got three games in hand on the top four, too. They, they could they close do. some ground. There's an outside cast that finish sorry, possible. Sorry. Yeah, right. Sorry, Brighton Leeds. Yeah, Bright, so Leeds are play, paying one t- plus 285. So they're the, the home dog, as they call it, and uh, Brighton favorites on the road at minus. 107, which, yeah, that just says everything about their season so far. Yeah, three games in hand. Top four football is very possible. Um, Jimmy, do you have uh, one that stands out? Um, Jimmy's oh. lock of the week, folks. Lock of the week. Perception <laughs> versus reality. <laughs> no, he's good. Don't do that. I know. She's just, <laughs> just waiting for those opportunities. Come on. Come on. <laughs> It's not I, I'm gonna say I'm gonna take Forrest for a draw. A draw, Ooh. okay. At Spurs. At Spurs. I make plus three sixty. Plus three sixty. Yeah. So Spurs a lock then. I'm also thinking I'm thinking that I think Fulham's gonna be a very tough match as well. And I fancy Fulham, I don't know what it is. To Wait, get, why get not? something get something against Arsenal at home at Craven Cottage. <laughs> Had they had beaten uh, Brentford on Monday, they would, be, would have been mm. in fifth place. Mm. So, and what about Man U after getting beat? Are they lower than a snake's belly right now? Or? Well, no, no they're still in the Europa League. Lower than a snake's belly? I've never heard that. Oh, you're going to learn so much, Amy. You obviously yeah. didn't, you didn't see the game yesterday then. <laughs> but it's more about the perception of the snake's belly, Amy, not the actual That's reality. Right. The not piece. the reality of the snake's belly, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Um, yeah, but no, I like that Spurs four shout because Liverpool, Bournemouth. I mean, that's top four implications, right? Yeah, yeah. So not much I'm value not super there. familiar. Not much value, but you know, can can we parlay something? Sure, oh, you can. She's using we can parlay. Oh, look at this. Right? Let's do it. Let's just parlay something this. here. So let's go right. Liverpool. Liverpool win. Amy's right? perception versus reality parlay. Go. Let's do, let's yes. do two more two more games, and we'll parlay it and see what it's worth. Okay, so you got Liverpool or Bournemouth. Okay, minus two thirty. Give me another game here. A sure thing? Do we want a sure thing right now? Sure, we'll just poly in together. Okay, so City against Palace. Okay, City against Palace. Uh, Where are we here? So City there at minus 286, okay. And one more. Let's get one more. So a three-game parlay here. United against Southampton. Take the three big. Sure, okay. Right, so that's it. So Liverpool beating Bournemouth, City beating Palace on the road, and United beating Southampton at home. That pays plus 164, right? So there's your value. But as I found out this year on parlays in the Premier League, it never oh. friggin' works. <laughs> it's oh, always on stakes, Amy. Friggin' Amy's. Yeah. Re- Sorry, look. What is it? Perception. Oh, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> Amy's showing the picture of Jimmy. That's how I. Know. And wait, wait, wait. Charms, that's how I felt. Oh, my God. The oh, way you're right feeling right now. I've been boy next door, eh? Yeah. I got Where's a your picture? Guy? Where's your picture? 
no, no, we're not doing yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, come on. Where's your picture? I don't, like, like I have my own picture, please. Well, of course you do. Yes, you do. It's on your screen. Your saver. bedroom is just you and your all your garments and your oh, uniforms and your medals. You know, your medals. You know when she wakes up, it's, good morning, gorgeous. How are you this morning? I'm good. How are you? Did you fancy a coffee? Let no, me go get you one. Oh, I love you. Good hair day again. <laughs> me, me, me. Hey, Amy, stand up again. Let's see a t-shirt again. Let's, let's read it out for everyone. Okay, uh, equal pay, equal rights, oh, equal, equal pay, equal rights, equal investment, equal opportunity. Purple, love that t-shirt. And then, what's it say in the bottom? Love yourself. And then yeah. bicep shirt. Ooh, look nice. at those ropes. That's a yeah, nice that bicep. Muscle. Well, she's a, she's a guru. Charm. Yeah. She's like yoga, yoga health guru. Yeah. <laughs> you got to keep everything up, yeah. <laughs> yeah. no, I'm a melting ice cream cone. <laughs> I feel so fucking bloated and pudgy. Gravity's cold. just these bags killing us. Bad boys like that. Oh my god, it's rough. Jesus. JC, are we putting a bed on or what? Are we comfortable? What do we have on our budget? Uh, right now, we're looking at we're Why still rocking pizza? with. Um, <laughs> we've got about thirty-one dollars in the kitty. Um, we had that big win, uh, and then we lost a lot. Okay. So, so Jimmy, what's your lock? What's what's your lock? We need the lock, and then I'll I'll put the lock in as we speak, and we'll put I'm six dollars in. Force for a draw or win. Force for you a could draw. do both. Oh, which one force is it? For a draw win. or win? You can yeah. do both. Oh. Put them both. That's no. five bucks on both. Well, yeah. I'll do that. I'll do that for you. So I'm doing the... six bucks. Six bucks each one because there's six. Okay, you, you can do a double Spurs chunk, right? By so forest, forest or tie is plus one seventy five. Hmm. I'm going to put one on Spurs winning by four or more. Because <laughs> of, of this conversation, right? <laughs> it's a lock. <laughs> All right, well, that's good. That'll do it. So there you guaranteed picks for the weekend, everybody. All right, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, we'd hope not to talk any more labor issues for a while, but thanks a lot, Canada Soccer, players and yeah, government. But it was a good chat, a really good chat. And uh, I guess we'll do it all over again. And was it uh, the 20th of March, Amy? Yep. When uh, Canada Soccer Chat, yeah. That'll be interesting. All right, that's Funny Prime. Thanks to Armin Badakian. Thanks to all you wonderful people. Keep on newspapers. We'll chat on Sunday, but I won't because I'll be in the fucking beach. Bye. Follow us on Twitter at footy underscore prime and on Instagram at footy prime IG. Jimmy's mum. She was great. She was awesome. 